We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime on this wonderful midweek podcast, Tommy Yvonne. Tommy, man, how you doing? This show just became Rams Uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give you props because you stayed silent. You must have been over there busting a guy. Dude. <laughs> I was on mute because I was not silent. I was almost falling out of my chair laughing so hard. Oh, <laughs> my god! Radio gold. Radio gold. And then there's this. You get, hey, 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 fathers, uh, 
you might want to fast forward that part driving the kids to school. <laughs> but hey, you know, I did get one of the, get one of the manscape packages. I gotta tell you, it's high quality stuff. It is high quality stuff. So it's it's kind of cool to have a, a sponsor like that, kind of reading you know, reading their stuff, and they they want it to be funny. And I, I, I couldn't believe the yeah, I thought it was a rib. Like I'm like, that's what they want us to read. Oh, this is great. <laughs> so there you go. So Tommy. Oh, <laughs> you were at the game this weekend before we really get into the nuts and bolts of the show. And can you tell us, you know, your just what were your first thoughts as you're walking out of that same on, on Sunday night? You got to stop with the puns, man. <laughs> no, but nuts and bolts. <laughs> <laughs> that was an you unintentional don't, you pun. Don't even, I promise. I know it wasn't. That's why it was good. <laughs> Yes, I was at the game. The weather here likes to creep up on us. Um, it was beautiful all week long in the 70s, you know, low 70s, high 60s. And as soon as we get to game day, it's 92 degrees in the middle of November. I can't stand the heat. The tailgate was fun, but it's hot and sweaty. Uh, luckily, the game was at night, so by the time we got in there, it was already dark. The sun goes down really early at this time of year on the west side of this country about 5 p.m. it's already dark so we got out of the sun once we were in there and enjoyed ourselves and we had a great time i gotta say though after the way the rams have been playing this year and you know not as the expectations were so high obviously going into the season the fans were really quiet this game and it didn't seem like there was as many uh, there was a lot of bears fans but not nothing egregious you know um but it was just, I mean, right off the bat, there was a row of Bears fans behind me. And we sit in a section that's like right by the mm-hmm. suites that's legit season ticket holder area of the stadium. And we had a whole row of Bears fans. So we, we know all the Ram fans that normally sit behind us sold their tickets for a profit, which is whatever. I'm not a fan of it, but it is what it is. And within three plays of us being on defense, the guys all behind me asked if I could sit down, <laughs> Mark and Angel and Paul just looked at me like, "Uh oh," and I was like, "Yeah." If I flew to Chicago and was in your guys' stadium as a guest, and you guys were all standing up on defense, cheering for your team, doing your job, would be okay with me asking you that? And they all looked at me, and I was like, "I think you answered my question." I'll sit down on offense. Welcome to Los Angeles. This is my house. <laughs> and I just turned around and sat and did my thing. I'm like, you got to be out of your mind, dude. I was in Minnesota two years ago surrounded by real mm-hmm. Vikings fans, right? Real. They got a real fan base over there. I didn't say a word to them, dude. Like, oh, I'm going to ask, you know, the people in front of me to sit down that pay their hard-earned money every year to be a season ticket holder and show up and support and do your job and be that quote-unquote 12th man. That is our job. If it's not, if you don't think it's your job, you should stay home. Just watch it on TV like everybody else. But don't come and tell people to sit down. Or even other Ram fans used to do that right off the bat in 2016. Tell us to sit down. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, you guys don't belong here. This ain't golf. It's not for you. You know, it's not for everybody. So that's how the experience went starting off the night. But other than that, the game flow was you know playing chess, fill each other out, beat each other up for the first three quarters, and then open it up in the end. I saw a lot of cool stuff that I was looking to see and hoping to see out of the team, so I was very happy. And it wasn't even with the outcome. Of course, I'm happy that they won. I'm happy the way they won. 
We've been barking for that, right? We've been seriously asking that question, and I didn't think they'd do it. This is why I thought I called for them. I I called. Remember, I said they, I said twenty eight ten Bears. I thought the Rams would go out there and make some dumb mistakes. They would do everything opposite of what we we know they should be doing, and they and what they have been doing is what they actually stayed away from. They they were smart. They they simplified the game plan. They they made it so that. If you're going to beat them, you're going to beat them by outmanning them. We've complained about this team being outmuscled for much of the year, outphysical by the, by their teams, and that's how they won this game. They were the tougher team up front. They were the team that came in with the attitude and saying, "You know what? We're just going to run this ball at you. We're going to put dudes on you. Go ahead and stop us." And the moment the Bears adjusted from that. Went back to that old 6-1, and we're all thinking, oh, crap. Rams feel around a little bit, struggle around a little bit, and all you all of a sudden, we're mid-fourth quarter, and it's 17-7, and it could have been worse. If the Rams have two or three more minutes of possession in this game, it's a 24-7 or 1-7 game. It was that close to being broken open. It would have been broken open. Just need a couple more minutes. And i got to tell you, Tommy, I've been missing that attitude coming from a Rams offense. Saying, you know what? Okay, all right. So your defense can can give us some problems. Come get us. We're going to hit you. I've been missing that. I've been really missing that. Yeah, I'm the kind of I, I coach. I played I coached youth football. I I'm the kind of person that likes to go after my opponent's strengths. I've always been that way. Oh, you're you're the number one run defense in the league. Cool. I'm going to smash it down your throat. Let's see how good you really are. That's what football's all about at the end of the day. Machismo, mano y mano. Oh, you think you're bad? I think I'm better. Let's find out. That uh, This whole avoiding a team's strength and going after their weaknesses, I'm not a fan of it. I never have been. And it usually doesn't work out for you. You know, the I watched a couple weeks ago the Ravens, you know, oh, you got a top five defense over there in New England? So what? I'm going to pound it down your throat with my quarterback, with my running backs. I'm going to beat you up because I'm bigger, faster, and stronger than you. And what you going to do about it? I love that attitude. The thing that terrifies me the most is we got to play that team on Monday night with that same attitude. They're going to come at us with everything they got, and we better be ready to fight. Not play football, not play chat. We need. We better be ready to fight. This is going to be a fight. And in many cases, not in many cases, there's good reason to believe the Rams' season rests on this game. If they lose this game, then all of a sudden you really need Seattle and Minnesota to full coming down the stretch, and their schedules are pretty conducive to them making the playoffs right now. The they Rams are. need this. The, the Rams need this and help. If they lose this game, making the playoffs, even if they go 11-5, and five, is going to be really difficult for them. There's it's just not it's not fun to to have to rest your lulls on a game that we thought we would probably lose this year, right? We we dropped we dropped Pittsburgh, we dropped Seattle, we dropped the Bucks, we dropped against games we thought we were going to win. So if we took an L here, we'd be all right, right? You agree? Well, and also early in the year training camp, we we most of us thought Rams win this game, and now as we've seen how these teams have come together. It's flipped, and you realize this Ravens team is very good. They might be the best team in the AFC. I think they are the best team in the AFC. And all that accounted for, the Rams aren't what they should be. They're not. No. 
So where do you go from here for the Rams? Well, it you sometimes it only takes one game. When you find the right recipe, when you finally see things clicked, what you know they should be, that may have happened in the Bears game. That may have happened. We'll find out real quick, but there are some things about this Ravens matchup that are conducive for a Rams win, and we'll talk about them. But before we do, folks, we just want to remind you that we're sponsored by Jim Hawkins' Book Hollow's team. We also want to ask you, to, if you are not subscribing to us somewhere, please go do it. We're anywhere you can find podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, Deezer, oh, geez, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there on Apple Music, especially we're really on this drive to get the 205-star reviews in so you can help us out. We really appreciate it. What you do is you go over to Apple Music, leave a five-star review. It's got one where you write it out, though. You've got to write it out. Send us a screenshot of that written out to us with your name, and then you're entered in. Okay, and then we'll read your feedback on the show. We have a couple new ones that we're going to read out next uh, next week. And in the meantime, folks, also check out our shows, Butting Heads. It's on the network. Rams and Censored. When are they coming back, man? When's Rams and Censored coming back? The next week? Yes. Next week. So, and then of course, uh, Rampage Radio is on the, sh- on the network as well. So, we're here. We're providing Rams content for you. We really appreciate a good review. And one more thing before we go on, just want to give a shout out to our sponsor, MyBookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you can t- choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is the place for you because they let you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Between football season, NBA, and the start of college basketball, it's time to get off the sideline and get in the action with MyBookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try Parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, Parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to MyBookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. Tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain? MyBookie wants to get your mind off everything else and back in the game. Best of all, if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you were to deposit $2,000, you can get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. If you're looking a little low stakes, put $100, they'll give you $50. You'll be good to go with some free money. Just use the promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to activate this offer. Once again, that's promo code MASSIVELATEFEE to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so Tommy, here's my question, though. Coming out of this game, we're happy with the play calling. We're happy with the design of the offense. They were kind of forced to do that with Robert Woods being out. I'm guessing... I'm guessing he'll be back this week. They doesn't seem like it's the end, the end of the world. I'm guessing he'll be back. We, we don't know for sure. We're still waiting. Brandon Cooks is back this week. So do you know why Robert Woods is out? No. Personal reasons. I'm going to talk about the USC guy. You know? Yeah, it's about a former USC player who is suicidal at this moment, and he's good friends with him, and he's taking time out to make sure his friend's okay. And I'm perfectly okay with that. Wait, wait, wait. Are, is, that, is that an official, or is that... You know, gossip. Like, that's that's something you verified. No, I have not verified it. I don't have any sources. Blah blah. But that's what's that's what's going around, and that makes the most sense. Because if they're not talking about it at the podium, it's probably because it's something like that, right? Okay, so we have to clarify this. So that's what you've heard. That's what's going around. Mm-hmm. But as yeah. of right now, that's not that's not the official thing. Whatever no, it's, it, it's it's hearsay. It's, it's hearsay, hearsay at this point. So. Whatever it is, what we do know is this is Robert Woods has been a 100% model citizen since he joined this team. 
He has been great in the locker room. There's no reason to doubt anything about him. If he's not there, it's for a good reason. I got to tell you what, I was pretty sickened, though. When um, this game get, get, kicks off and we're seeing all over Twitter, what are we seeing? My fantasy team, Robert Woods, screw that guy. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, are you serious? This is real life. And you're on Twitter vetting about to Robert Woods on Twitter about his fan, your fantasy team. I'm going to vent for a moment. Just let me vent. Just, no, no, let, me, let, me, let me jump in real quick, and I'm going to let you vent. Oh, okay, Just go. so you know, I got Robert Woods on my fantasy team, and I got zero points from him because I wasn't staring at my phone. I was actually at the game. I didn't know what was going on, and when I found out, I didn't care because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's just video games, fantasy football, whatever, dude. It's, I didn't, it's not that big of a deal, so go ahead. I mean, I played fantasy football for a long time. Played a lot of fantasy sports. Basically stopped playing when I got too busy for it. And the one thing I do know is if you're going to put your life in fantasy football to the point you're going to go on Twitter and vent about it, you're an idiot. You're, you have no semblance of anything other than you. And I just I don't have tolerance for that garbage. I just don't. Like, it's a game. Literally a game both on the field and some stupid game you're playing on Yahoo or ESPN or NFL.com. Who gives a flying crap, dude? Get over it. Get over it. And if you're dumb enough to go out there and put money into it, that's on you. That's your decision. That's real life, man. If something happens in real life where somebody, if let's just say there is somebody in that that's close to Robert Woods who matters. I guarantee your that person's life matters more than some idiot who's going to lose fancy football. And if you happen to have issues over fancy football, then you can go see somebody. Is that good an event? Just check yeah, it out. Fair enough. It's just, it's just stupid. Like I agree. On. You get don't you the, have the better things people, to complain about? <laughs> people and the people that are crying about it too probably had the time and ability to switch their lineups where I did not. I was at the game. I set my lineups at the tailgate, you know, before. I set them before the um, the early game kickoffs, and I moved on, you know, because he wasn't on the injury report, so I didn't even think twice about it. But when I found out, you know, Mark, we were in the concessions. He's like, hey, Robert Woods is out. I looked, and I was like, and everyone that was on my bench was either on bye week or unavailable due to injury. I was like, well. It is what it is. And that probably happens to a lot of those people when they're ticked off about it. Well, you know what, dude? Get over it. And I Just lost, it, too, and know? I didn't care. I didn't yeah, care. Because real life, real life matters to you. Uh, I, the people I care about people, yeah. yeah. I do. With that dude, is probably, these people are probably people who are living in mommy and daddy's basement, age 35, with no job, no nothing, and they have his fancy football. Let's go play FanDuel. Put money into it, and, you know, now you lost money. Okay, well, whatever, dude. You know, do something. If you're that invested that you have to go on Twitter and social media complain and actually tweet at the person, you're a loser. Yeah. You're a loser. I agree. Well, let's move on from that. Well, yeah, and we, and we need to because I can vent about this all day. I, I did want to comment <laughs> one more thing, too. You mentioned the crowd being um, – there were a lot of Bears fans there. I just want to briefly mention this. Journalist um, NBCLA's uh, Michael Duarte – Comment during the game about this and talk about all these Bears fans there, and then I'm like, well, how many Bears fans are there? He goes about it's about seventy thirty Rams seventy Bears thirty. I'm like, really? That's it? 
So that's you're gonna, you're going to comment that's, about that? That's, that's, that's normal. Dude. That's normal for bears anywhere in the country. Bears travel. You're, actually, I think it's like pretty good considering it's L.A. If you're considering it's I L.A., mean, I had I got three friends that came to the tailgate that are all Chicago transplants that live out here now because of work. All showed up to my tailgate to hang out. So yeah, dude, just it's L.A. Man, there's a lot of people that want to come hang out here. And go to a football game, and there's a lot of people that, that used to live somewhere where it's freezing and moved here for a better opportunity and less snow. Well, you, so, know? you know, but here's the thing, is, and I don't know Duarte at all. I don't have a problem with him personally. But this is why L.A. media has a bad rap. Because instead of just covering the team and doing what you need to do to cover the team, you actually feed into the narratives about the city. We, You and I, we've talked about LA. The L.A. fan base has its strengths. And it has its weaknesses. It's got a lot of diehard fans. It's also got a lot of people who are, who are bandwagoners. We all know that. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's no need, though, to try and crap on that fan base over that. Because if you actually know the game and you know anything about the Chicago Bears fan base, 70-30 in L.A.? That's a that's win a good for day. us. That's time. a win for the Rams. So If you want to report on it, report on it when the numbers are switched. Like, do you know... Charger games, Charger at Charger games, you'd be lucky to get thirty percent Charger fans. That would be a win for them. Okay, <laughs> so if you want to rip on the Rams, rip on them when the fan base is seventy percent the opponent, not thirty percent. That's not that's a non-story, dude. Is it sa- is same stuff for the Cowboys game last year, and, and luckily there were some journalists came out there and corrected. But they're talking about how it's going to be fifty fifty or seventy thirty Cowboys fans. No, it was seventy thirty Rams fans. And those Rams fans were loud and and we wonderfully were, and the obnoxious. Cowboy fans by the way. were sitting on their thumbs, dude. I'll, I'll be honest, I was there. They were terrible as far as like being supportive. If they felt at any moment that the game was in their hands, they would briefly get get up, you know, like do their job, yell on defense, whatnot. But when anything would go, you know, in the Rams' favor at all, even when the game was close, they would just pout and not get up and cheer on defense. And I was like, oh, cool. These guys are lazy. They're they're making our job easier. I'm good with that. I've seen a lot of fan bases do that, that visit our stadium too. They don't either understand what their job is when they're there or they don't want to participate. Either way, we win. You know, I don't care how many of you are there. If you're not screaming while we're on offense, I don't really care. It's really silly, though. We even have, to, we even have these conversations because we shouldn't. No, let's actually let's talk about something that's even better. So I'm sorry, we, we I'm, I'm just how... venting today. I'm just sorry, I'm just venting all over about dumb stuff. But I I want to say this one thing. The reason why I have a problem with it, Tommy, is because it's not accurate. And I can't tell you how many times over the years we've had debates with people from across the country about the LA fan base. And a lot of times it's a bunch of hearsay and garbage. And you should not have journalists in your own city perpetuating the hearsay and garbage. No, and they're, you know, a lot of the, the, the worst part about our journalism here is a lot of these people are not from here. This is not their hometown. They came here for a better opportunity, for a promotion, so to speak. Liz Habib is from Pittsburgh, dude. She's a Steeler fan, okay? There's a lot of people here that aren't from here that cover the team. They're not fans of this team. They're not fans of this city. Those are the ones who say stupid things, okay? The people that are from here um, do a little bit better job. Some of them, some of them not so much. I, I This is the only city I've ever lived in. I'm 41 years old. If anybody 
can be transparent about how this city really operates, it's me. You know, this is my hometown. This is all I've ever known. And I'll always be honest about how sports fans are here. Most of them are bandwagon. It is what it is, dude. I've seen it my whole life. You know, all my friends that I grew up with that grew up here weren't Ram fans, dude. They were Bronco fans and Packer fans and Cowboys fans and fa- and Dolphin fans because of Dan Marino. Never even been to Florida. It's just how SoCal's always been. Whatever's on TV, whatever's cool, whatever music is out, that's what goes on in L.A. That's why our radio stations suck because they only play top 40 and we don't even get good concerts anymore. All the good rock concerts go to the Midwest. You know what I mean? It's just L.A. trendy as hell, dude. Always has been, always will be. Yeah, is but, what it is. But that's you being honest about your hometown. And that's yes, being honest that way your- I can sleep at night and not be mm-hmm. like most people and just defend your hometown just because. But I know being, I love I love where I grew up. I'm just being honest. I mean, yeah, you're you're being honest about it. You are pointing out the the good, but you're not sugarcoating for anybody either. You're pointing. You're willing to talk about the bad. The, and yeah, of course. The the problem I have with you know, like you said, Habib's from Pittsburgh and Lindsay Theory's from Seattle. All these folks, your job is just to cover the team. Why would you do anything that that would hurt that? Like the moment you say crap like this. You lose credibility with, A, the fans, and you actually lose credibility with people who actually cover the team and take it seriously. It's people that become journalists that were sports fans before they were journalists. They cannot be objective, and they're human beings, and they can't get out of their own way. So they will say stupid things. Daniel Hernandez at the LA Times is the diehard Raider fan. Yeah, Uh, Dylan, yeah, whatever. I don't even know who he is. He's nobody. He just spews... Rams and Charger hate because he's born and raised a Raider fan, dude. You know what I mean? Like, so you see the narrative in his in his fandom when you know when he writes. It's just it's sad, dude. You're you're being paid to do a job. So once you become, you know, if that's your career and that's what you want to do for a living, fine. You know, we got guys that cover the Rams that grew up Cowboys fans, and they're just but that person is objectively doing their job. And I can respect that, you know. That, and, just and be honest. Just be honest. Like, yeah. You don't need to go out there and do some things you don't. All right, so I guess the best thing to do right now, though, before we uh, get to our interview is to quickly just talk about our other sponsor. Sorry, we've got a bunch of – we're getting some support now, folks. But the one who's been with us in the get is Jim Hawk. And his book, Hall of Seeing Great Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, tells a story – of this team in LA. So as you hear me venting about how this team is covered and how this team is embedded in LA or, or hopefully will be again after moving back, if you want to learn more about it, where, where this team has been, the things it's been involved with, this is a great story. And, it's, and it comes with more of a first person because the book is written about Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. So I'd encourage you. Folks, I've given a read like similar to this my entire time here with with Rams Talk. And I can tell you that it's more than just a book. It's actually real Rams history and something if you're especially as you're, as you're getting attached to this club now, it's something for you to learn more about, to help grow a little bit of that fandom in you. Okay, so folks check it out. It's at Hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywood Team. It's available with a hard that electronic form at Amazon Barnes and Noble. Oh, and now it's on paperback as well. Check it out. 
Jim Hawks, Hollywood Team, Great Glamour, and the 19th East Los Angeles Rams. It's well worth your time. Seriously. It's all good. All right, folks, here we go. Our interview with Ken McCusick from Film Study Baltimore. Check it out. All right, folks, I'm here with Ken McCusick. Now with the filmstudybaltor.com website, brand new site. He's got himself going. Also, you can find him on Twitter at filmstudyravensken, one of my favorite, favorite film study guys you're going to find out there, obviously by the name. How you doing, man? Life's good. How about you, Derek? I'm a Ravens fan. Obviously, it's going pretty good this year. Oh, my gosh. I just was mentioning that to you before the show. I don't think anybody saw this coming outside of Baltimore. I mean, we thought they'd be good. We didn't think they – I think they might be the best in the AFC right now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I want to go to begin. What happened here from when you and I last talked on the Tour Run League compared to now? It's a big difference in terms of expectations, the quality in the field. What happened? I mean, Lamar Jackson spent the offseason working on his own game, which is great. I love to see when a player does that. Ball was just zipping out of his hand completely differently. His decision-making was different. His confidence, he understands the playbook. Uh, he seems to be able to relay and understand the play much better this year, and the creativity is all there, maybe even at a higher level because of all the other concepts that are woven in with it. So uh, Roman's really been able to layer more and more of that playbook in week after week. Lamar is sucking it up like a sponge and, and killing it. Whatever it takes to beat some of these teams. With New England, they kept the ball away from their secondary. They threw a lot of short passes, and they won that way. Since against Cincinnati, they Cincinnati terrible run team, completely run defense team, completely sold out to stop the run. And Lamar attacked over the top. Did some play action to do so. Worked like a charm. He had a huge game. And then uh, uh, this past week against the Texans, you know, playing for a very important game for the number two seed, effectively, the AFC. This is, this is not a sure thing that that'll be the deciding factor. But a pretty good chance. And Lamar had another great game. Play action at the highest rate he's done so far, 56% in this game. Sucked the linebackers in and uh, and really made it very easy in terms of a pitch and catch game for the tight end. So they're 139 rating in this last game. So uh, he's on a great run, uh, really feeling it as a passer and uh, throwing balls into, into some traffic. And they're, they're being caught. And uh, life is good at this point. So the way the development you're, you're talking about here, just a few weeks ago, I'm thinking heading into the Browns game, and mm-hmm. where the Browns, man, they dominate much of that game. In that, that on the, I can't even describe how much it caught us all off guard watching that game. And now here they are. Now, what has essentially changed from that moment forward to where this is the team that's on the field? Yeah, a lot of the changes have been made on the defensive side of the ball. Eric DeCosta's had one of the great. Uh, in-season GM seasons I've ever seen. And, you know, obviously one of the things was the trade with the Rams, and, and it, it, it cut two ways. They unloaded a player who was not helping them in Kenny Young. And, and Kenny Young, you know, he played out in L.A. A lot of people out, out there love him. He's a good downhill player. Uh, he really was a, was a liability in pass coverage. So any kind of any kind of play behind him, particularly in pass coverage, he didn't know what was going on. And, and it was a worse case having Peanut that's Patrick Owasso playing next to him, who has the same problem. So there's a big hole in the middle of the field in in, uh, in terms of coverage. Effectively, they wiped the slate clean and picked up two street-free agents, Josh Bynes and LJ Ford. Uh, LJ Ford has played eight seasons in this league and has half a season of defensive snaps. 
in total with the Steelers. Uh, anyway, he's he's one uh, one guy who's been in there on the dime defense and is a is their pass covering linebacker. Um, plays a weak side when he's in with Bynes. Bynes is a is a good run stopper who's also made some plays against passes, including two interceptions since he's been here. So they got tremendous value out of that. They picked up an outside linebacker off the street, Jihad Ward. They picked up two guys this last week, defensive tackles with Michael Pierce out, and they've been fine. And the the coup de gras, Tony Jefferson went down with a season ending injury, and they had Chuck Clark ready to go, who apparently is the smartest defensive back they have. He started calling the defensive signals, and he's extremely versatile in terms of where he can play. So a lot of that versatility is played in their hands in terms of making sure they can shut down New England's no huddle uh, in the game in Baltimore by keeping him close to the line of scrimmage, getting blitz calls in quickly. Everything they have tried defensively has worked in terms of both acquiring talent and then deploying that talent on the field. So Martindale and DaCosta uh, together deserve a terrific amount of credit for the defensive turnaround. You mentioned Marcus Peters. We're going to go there next. He was, it was heartbreaking for a lot of fans I hear seeing him go because he was such a great locker room guy. Guy, you pour his heart into the community. People, they just think of all the past Marcus Peters junk and they think, okay, this guy's an awful guy. That's not true. On the field, though, wasn't always a good mix with us. How's he doing for you? Uh, he's, he's looked fantastic. I, he's, he ex- has the same kind of aura of fear at corner. And I look at the, the, the two cornerbacks involved, and, and I, obviously, I mean, it's fairly clear Peters has outplayed Ramsey in the weeks since the acquisition. Uh, but more than that, uh, he had came at between 4 and 7% of the cost in terms of draft capital. So I, I think you, you really have to look at that as an enormous coup as well for DaCosta in season. The Rams obviously were dumping salary, and they were doing some other things to – to, to unload Peters. Maybe they even had to, to make room for Jalen Ramsey. But to give up a King's Ransom for Ramsey, he might be a, what, 36-game rental? No, not, not a 26-game rental, right? 10 plus 16? Yeah, but they're going to renew him. They're going to renew him. My point is that even if they do renew him, and, and, and yes, there are some market frictions that will help them do that and, and get him at a reasonable price, but they have to, they have to effectively pay market value. So you wouldn't trade a whole lot of draft capital in order to pay market value for Marcus Peters. You just sign him at that point if yeah. if you wanted him. And and the same could be said. Uh, sorry for Marcus Peters or for or for uh, Jalen Ramsey. So the Ravens have a, a a ten game rental with Peters. It's at a tremendous value, and they have the now acquired also the market friction to to stick a franchise tag on him if they want to next year. Try and sign him long term with that leverage. And I think they might do that. They've got a lot of guys they, they really want to try and sign, but they also got a ton of money to spend. So Peters is a, would be a good target to uh, uh, to try and get locked up. And the thing about Peters on our end, though, it wasn't that Peters wasn't a good football player. He just wasn't a mix for what they were trying to do on defense. They need somebody who's going to play more press, come up and play man-to-man. And he was more of a guy who was going to be that roamer, the one you, you set your safety here, you move him over here, and let him go for a football. And that wasn't a fix. That wasn't going to work with the Rams anymore. They needed somebody man-to-man, and that was a shame of losing him because we know he's a playmaker. We know that in the right place, he's going to be a star and goes right to Baltimore, and that's what he is again. He was all over. All over he's a star. And mm-hmm. I think the Ravens would probably be foolish to, to let him go in the offseason, and I think that he would be foolish to leave. It's a perfect match. Absolutely perfect match. I, I hope it ends up that way. I mean, I, I don't know if you know this, but, but Peters has the – Highest adjusted interception rate in NFL history when it's adjusted to the the era of 
that he played in. He's got 8.64. Actually, I didn't adjust it after last game, but prior to the last game, it was 8.64 interceptions per 16 games when you adjust each year's interceptions to the average of 1945 to 2016. Okay? And Ed Reed is second on that list. So this is high praise coming from a Baltimore fan. at 7.67. Drops off Asante Samuel, 6.48. And then the fourth place guy is only 5.64, Darren Sharper. That's all players who've ever played in the NFL with 15 plus interceptions. Reed and Ramsey, I uh, sorry, Reed and and uh, Peters stand head and shoulders above every interceptor in league history. And it's it's his instincts, and that's what I loved about him here. It it was sad to see him go, um, but I'm glad. It's going to suck probably this week coming up, but I'm glad to see him land in a place where he can be Marcus Peters that we all know. The the offense that Baltimore has though, right now. Where are the strengths for Lamar Jackson to work with? Where where is he able to really work his magic? Well, the, the tight end group is terrific. It's three guys who are all terrific play action targets. Uh, Boyle is a tremendous blocker. Uh, what the Ravens can do is just going to seem unfair in terms of having Ricard and Boyle on the same field at the same time. It's kind of like having seven offensive linemen on for a preponderance of snaps. Uh, Boyle plays a high percentage of snaps. Ricard is playing more now as well. And when they've got both those guys on, they just they have a jumbo set that's uh, that's very difficult to defense. Uh, what I'm looking forward to in this game is how they attack Aaron Donald's rib cage, basically with those guys. Because I think it, everything about the Rams game, and they talked about some of this on the Monday Night Broadcast, was is about getting Aaron Donald single man-on-man opportunities where he's going to win a lot of those. And that's particularly going to be true working the left A-gap at left guard and center against the Ravens where you don't have great pass blockers. But what you do have is you have effectively guys coming in motion who are just going to take their toll, I think, on Donald, who's played 61 snaps a game so far, as I've, as I've noticed the snaps. That's an unbelievable total for an interior defensive lineman. Part of that is he's so good with his hands that he rarely gets anybody going to the bother body and getting him really tired. And you know, I just I, I, I want to see the Ravens, you know, take the physical toll on Donald in this game coming up that, that, that will give him the chance to win this game. But even if they don't, the problem the Rams have had, you'll see if, as you're I'm I'm sure you're digging the film now. Mm-hmm. What you're gonna see is he'll get in there, he'll break through but nobody else does. So they'll have three guys at on some points chipping them, just straight on tri- triple teams, and the rest of the defensive line doesn't seem to get there. They got to move linebackers in on them. They got they got to work Clay Matthews in, and they're not able to get pressure just straight up front. So that's going to be big for what the Ravens can do if they can stuff that front three and give them fewer people to talk about. Then it's going to be a long day for the Rams defensively, especially when they're chasing Lamar Jackson around. But that's, you know, I just, I wouldn't be as worried about Donald. I'd be worried about if they can, if they get those guys stopped. Because people have been doing all, all year to Donald. It's just um, a question of how effective will he be. Your defense match against the Rams offense right now, this offensive line we've had now has been a problem. It's been a problem mm-hmm. for much of the year. It played better against the Bears. Uh, the key part moving Blythe back in the center, getting a couple rookies in there. How how are you feeling about this game right now 
with that rebuilt offensive line coming at the uh, the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens have a very rebuilt pass rush as well. And even though they got seven sacks this last week, it, it honestly wasn't the most intense pass rush effort you'll ever see. Uh, they had three that were pure coverage sacks, well over three seconds before they before they came to fruition. They had a fourth that was over three seconds as well, but there was a holding call also on that play. So it would have been a holding call before three seconds. What I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is it's all about the secondary and what they've been able to do that has generated a lot of that pass rush. You know, the Rams' offensive line is certainly one where the Ravens might be able to do some things um, uh, offensively. So, uh, sorry, uh, in terms of the pass rush. So, anyway, we, we've got to hope, uh, you know, we see some of that. But if, if, the, if the pass rush is as, as slow to get home as they were last week, I think Goff certainly will have opportunities to pick the Ravens apart. And, uh, and and Watson made some mistakes as well in terms of holding the ball too long. He's a, he's a very cavalier quarterback. I think Goff is more measured in his approach and is more likely to throw the football away when it's appropriate. It's early in the week, and that brings the question to me. I know, I, again, how much film you study. Have you gotten to watch some, some Goff film here in the last couple of days? Now, I watched the Monday Night Game, of course, and I watched the Cleveland game from week two, was it? Week two, uh, week three, whichever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know when they had when they had the pass rush, basically Collinsworth calling them fadeaway jumpers from Mayfield was uh, was most of his passes. I, I, I you know I haven't I haven't watched all the Rams film yet to really see what's happening with golf. I know he's not having a great year, so uh, you know I'm aware of that, but I haven't really seen what mechanically has gone wrong. I was just interested in seeing maybe if you had because uh, it'd be nice to have a little bit of an outside perspective on film. Because we all have our views over here on what's going on with Goff. And my view is it's a mixture of offensive line. It looks like he's not preparing as well as he should. I, it, my ear perked up when you said Lamar Jackson really worked this offseason. Because it's clear he has. It's, it's night and day. There were times last year watching the Ravens play where he, you saw the talent there, but he looked lost. And now I'm watching Ravens film and going, oh my gosh. This is who we, this is who we all thought he would be. And with that in mind, Lamar Jackson... What do you expect him to be able to do against this Rams defense? And I think that he has an opportunity to pick them apart if he's more careful about about uh, throwing the ball away when it's appropriate to throw it away. Uh, he'll he'll have opportunities to fight again on on further downs. The Ravens are are not immune to being beaten in the secondary. They just they have a very talented group that you do take some risks throwing the ball deep against. I think that they've they've done a good job, basically, of shutting down a lot of the deep balls these last few weeks since Peters arrived. Uh, so, so it's now, you know, teams are having to play small ball. The Patriots played some effective small ball in the no huddle in terms of winning plays. But honestly, they, they, uh, they didn't get it done in total. They averaged 5.3 yards per play in a game that, that they trailed the entire way. So, you know, that's going to be a game where you pass a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they, and they gave up a defensive touchdown. And then I see Warren Sharp writing that, uh, you know, the Patriots really stepped it up in their no huddle and they won X percent of the plays. Well, you know, there's nothing about that game the Patriots want, want to repeat. They lost 37 to 20, scored on two short fields. They really only had one good drive in the whole game uh, for a touchdown. There isn't anything that they'd want to repeat about that. Uh, it's, it's just kind of funny. See, it didn't really capture how well the, 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 the Ravens handled it. I think, you know, 
they're not immune, though. They can be beaten um, in the passing game. I think particularly still they, they have some ability to beat in the middle of the field. Um, I, I wouldn't – I don't know how confident – I know Goff has better speed weapons, but I don't know how confident Goff is throwing to the outside. He does have a big arm. So it, it probably is he is he more of an outside-the-numbers guy? Is he more comfortable there? Is he more comfortable in the middle of the field? He, he makes a lot of mistakes in the middle of the field. Our observations of him have been like this. If he's throwing out to the sideline, intermediate outs especially, there's nobody better in the game when he's on. I'm serious. He can, he, I'm, there's, people don't know because he's so inconsistent how good he can be. He, there is probably not a better deep ball in the game right now. But his intermediate decisions in the middle of the field are brutal. You can go, and go back and look at the Bengals film for that. If you look at the second half of the Bengals game, you're going to see Jared Goff at his worst. His decision-making is almost all in the middle of the field. Through interception, last game, rolling to his right, but he's throwing to what would have been the only spot. So overall, if he's in the pocket going sideline to sideline and he has time, there's no better ball he throw than anybody else. I'm serious. Same for deep balls. Mm-hmm. You rush them a little bit, especially what teams have been doing. They've been kind of folding offensive line, the offensive line, like, kind of like a taco over somebody, over him. And you trap him, all of a sudden his decision makes so it like, crazy. doesn't like pressure from two sides at the same time. That, that throws him well Basically, off balance. Yeah, and he should. can't step up. He can't. He, he, that's what teams have been doing this when people are saying, well, the Rams, if you look at their numbers, they don't, have, they don't have a whole lot of pressures. They don't have a whole lot of quarterback hits, a whole lot of sacks. That's true to a degree. Yeah, the numbers show that. But if you watch the film, you're going to see, especially the Steelers game, you'll see this very clearly. Mm-hmm. The way teams are attacking them, they'll basically fold around him. So they might not get their hands on to sack him, but they put him in a position where he's claustrophobic and he panics. And any quarterback in that position is not going to throw a lot, you know, throw well, um, with the exception of like a Tom Brady. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you'll see a lot of schemed pressure from the Ravens. They, Matt Judon is really the only guy who's a good one-on-one pass rusher that they have right now. Uh, Michael Pierce may miss the game. It would be a second straight that he missed. That's a huge guy out against the run so that's what the Ravens acquired some big bodies for but I think you know we've seen a lot of deceptive elements in what's going on last week they ran 10 stunts had 10 two-man drops had 14 blitzes from off the line of scrimmage now those are individual blitzes not what other people call a blitz where it's five or more rushing the passer they, they were effective rushing the passer with numbers in the last game so I think they'll they'll, they'll do some of that but Martindale's have to get has to get very creative with his scheme to get pressure with what is really a subpar group of pass rushers here in Baltimore. How's your run defense right now? Uh, without Pierce, it's not nearly as good as it is otherwise. It's outstanding with Michael Pierce and, and Brandon Williams both healthy. So we're, I'm thinking probably the best strategy for the Rams right now is try to establish a run game early, keep Lamar off the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think nobody's really been able to do that. Uh, Lamar... Uh, and, I mean, the Ravens' offense on a per-drive basis has scored so many points, it's been hard for anybody to, to maintain any kind of lead against them. I mean, almost nobody's had the lead, but when they have had the lead, they haven't had it for long. The Patriots, they, they never ran an offensive snap without trailing in their game. Mm-hmm. 
you know, so it's it's hard to, you know, everybody says, well, you got to get out fast. You got to get up, you know, score the first 10 points or something. Well, good luck. <laughs> first of all, you better get the opening kickoff. <laughs> so uh, and then, you know, after that, you're, uh, you know, you have to start stopping drives early. So uh, they had five touchdown drives of 70 plus yards against the Texans. Texans are not a terrible defense. They're not the best, but they're not terrible. And, you know, to have that happen, uh, you know, I. I don't think there's any team in the NFL defensively that really knows what it'll take to stop them right now. Well, I was actually going to go there next. Where do you think they can be stopped offensively? Yeah, it's really difficult to say. I mean, I'm right now I'm just enjoying the ride and, and I, I can't really obviously find what's wrong with Lamar Jackson. They did have one play that went very wrong this last week. Um, offensively, uh, sorry, the offensive line-wise, their weakness is exactly where Aaron Donald usually plays. That's at left guard. Uh, it's their only real weakness on the line. Um, you know, in terms of of the pieces they have around Lamar, they just do such a good job of scheming to get that extra block where they need it and to allow a free runner into the backfield that Jackson is just tar- uh, tasked with evading. And they've done such a good job with that that then that creates all kinds of second and third level opportunities for Jackson on some of these big runs. So, uh, you know, J- Lamar Jackson's rushing stats look great, but they're even greater when you take out the 15 kneels for minus 15 out of there. It's, it's uh, you know, he's, he's uh, up there close to seven yards of carry for the for the uh, year. I'm really interested in seeing that matchup though, because the Rams are fast on the edges, mm-hmm. especially they have playmakers guys who can get to him and so that i i don't want to see the matchup and i do kind of as a fan of the game i want to see the matchup as a rams person uh, i don't want to see this so that i think that's going to be a key thing what can the rams do to i don't think they're going to stop them but can they slow them down some they have the speed on the edge to do it but they're vulnerable just like you said the ravens are in millfield i think the rams are vulnerable in millfield too Okay, well, I, I think athletes and speed on defense are really the way to do it. The, the Chargers stopped him with seven defensive backs in the playoffs. The Rams are the sort of team that could probably do it because their most special pass rushers are very special. So Donald and one other guy, Green Lit, would be very special. And that's what it took. It took it took Ingram and Bosa having a big game against him in the playoffs, winning that game at the line of scrimmage with four on five, and then having seven guys to basically frustrate Jackson most of the day. Uh, that really worked out. Now, that was also a different Lamar Jackson, you know, pre his offseason work and, and all the things that have that have gone on. So I'm interested to see. I think the Ravens are appropriately a small favorite in this game, even on the road. I would have never guessed this would have been the case at coming into this game. But, you know, that's where we are right now. I think, you know, the Ravens are probably the best team in the AFC. Uh, we'll see how this one plays out. I When this season started, I had this marked as a win. And seeing how everything has gone, how this team has gone together. I cannot in any way mark this as a win for the Rams now. I think the Rams take this. But it's early for you yet. We're, we're recording this early. Do you have a prediction for us? or No, I, I really don't like to do that. I mean, you go down, a lot of people, and i tell you, this gives you an idea of how I think. A lot of people you know, like to take the schedule out at the beginning of the year and put WRL on every single game. I don't even think of it. I look at the schedule and I say, okay, 25% on that one because the Rams in LA and this, this one against San Francisco is 55% right now, but now it's probably, you know, something different from that. 
that's how I look at the at the schedule, and I I kind of work towards a win total for the year. Uh, and it's not neither of them is is really the right answer because there's so many dependencies in terms of of how things change during the year. We don't know anything about these teams at the beginning of the year, not not much anyway. So I, I don't like to make predictions on this. I mean, I, I think I think if it doesn't excite me either way from a gambling perspective at Ravens minus three, I'll tell you that. Do you? I mean, looking at you said you know twenty five percent, twenty five percent. Looking mm-hmm. down the line now, and given strength of schedule, do you think the Ravens have a shot at capturing the number one seed? Yes, yes, I think they definitely have a shot at that. They, I, I, they, all, they probably will have to run the table to do it, but New England has some difficult games coming up. I think New England will be tested a little bit. I was disappointed to see the Eagles didn't do much about them, but the, the Patriots are coming off the bye, so they, you know, I expect them to have one of their better games of the year uh but we'll see if they if they can deal with kansas city we'll you know then they're at a different spot than i thought they were and and you know the 2000 ravens are a little bit concerned about what the what the patriots are doing at this point in terms of points per game so uh it'll be interesting to see how that plays out so can can you let our listeners know where they can find all of your work we talked about your website earlier but give us some more information about it. it's brand new so tell us about it yeah, so we do we do a lot of stuff. So you do three podcasts per week. One review of the offense, review of the defense, and a Know Your Foe episode. And those Know Your Foe episodes are always people like you from an opposing city. Uh, we have, um, I've forgotten the name already. That's terrible. Let me uh, let me just get that. I'm going to give you the Rams expert we have. We have Cameron DeSilva coming on with us mm-hmm. to talk about the Rams this week. So I don't know if you know him. Yeah, good uh, guy. Yeah, we have we regularly have uh, you know good people from opposing cities on uh, to do that. We have two articles per week: one on the offense, one on the defense. Uh, much more detailed. They're made to be read along and and with game pass and review films. So I, I don't expect that Rams fans would necessarily have an interest in that, but maybe there's a Rams analyst out there who wants to kind of pick up on some of the things that I do and do and and find something he likes for his own work. That's cool and always would feel good about that. So anyway, that's that's what the site is. So it's Film Slay Baltimore. Mm-hmm. You'll find you on Twitter at Film Slay Ravens. Folks, check them out. Ken, thanks so much for taking the time to join the show. Give us the lowdown, the Ravens. It's on our side, it looks like it's an uphill battle, the way the two teams are playing right now. But I'm excited to see this team. I'm excited to see what's going on there in Baltimore with this Ravens team. Yeah, very excited, too. We're coming out for the game and, uh, and look, really looking forward to seeing the Coliseum before it's gone, too. Well, if you're interested, I'll get you in touch with a couple of our guys from, you know, like Tommy. Tommy, for example, couldn't make, couldn't make the interview tonight, but uh, he knows everything Rams or he's a big football guy. I think you'd really like, like to talk with him. All right, man. All right, Tommy. So here's the big question for you. How do the Rams win this game? You got to win the fight. They're going to come with it. It's going to be a very physical game this is a physical franchise they've been that way for a long time they built this mentality of toughness through the history of being in baltimore um and having that young man at quarterback man is he phenomenal this is going to be a fun game to watch because i honestly don't know what i'm going to expect what i would say is the defense needs to put somebody on lamar as a spy Corey comes to mind obviously but someone needs to watch him at all times and don't fall for any you know of the wildcat fakes just keep your eyes on the quarterback and keep your eyes on the ball obviously but you need to remember if you're that spy 
that you have 10 other guys that are going after the ball as well. So just focus on the quarterback, okay? That's your job. That's what I would suggest for the team on defense. On offense, pound the rock. They want to pound the rock on us, we're going to pound it right back. We have three really, really good running backs. So give them the ball, and let's fight and see who scores the most points, man. It's that simple. This is just one of those games. You're not going to out-scheme each other. It's just not going to work. Here's the thing. is I think the Rams actually can win this game. I think the odds are decent if they play within what they've shown they're capable of doing. What I mean by that is this Baltimore team is really, really good. They're fundamentally sound. They do a lot of things great, but they also they don't have many people, especially offensively, who are game breakers outside of Lamar Jackson himself. Okay, they're running the offense through him. He runs a ton, scrambles a ton, and they can take advantage of the Rams' aggressive nature here, especially Aaron Donald. They have to tackle and they have to pursue. They have to take the their fundamentals have to be on point. The Rams have a ton of team speed defensively on the edges, up the middle. Corey Littleton included spy. Okay, there's a ton of team speed there. They can. Contain Jackson. They can. And the if they do, the Ravens don't have the elite playmakers to really change the game outside of him. They have good players. There's a reason why that offensive why that offense is so good. They have good players. They're tough. They have their tight end plays phenomenal. You heard, you heard Ken talk about that. But they have very few players who will change the game on one play outside of Lamar Jackson. So that fundamental has to be set. That team speed has to be used, right angles, right pursuit, and wrapping people up. Here's my concern, Tommy, is while the Rams have all those capabilities, especially the speed, to move sideline to sideline and to cut him off, that mean him being Jackson, they're so inconsistent with the other part of that, and that's tackling, getting people down. And that's my concern about this Rams defense. If this Rams defense comes out and tackles well this game, I think they have a really, really good shot of slowing down the Ravens' offense. Yeah, you try to arm tackle Lamar Jackson, forget about it. You're about to get a forearm broke on one of his quads. You better hit him with your shoulder. Cause he, dude, have you seen the size of his neck? His neck is bigger than his head. It's ridiculous, I mean, dude. And I'm really impressed with, you know, after talking with Ken, just and contrast this for what we've been seeing with Jared Goff is, Lamar Jackson takes a bunch of criticism last year, has his struggles, and then you find out how much time he put in the film room and how much time he put into getting better over the course of the offseason and look at this change. And this is this is why I think some folks, including myself, who've who've generally defended Jared Goff over the last couple of years, are starting to come around the idea that something's not right because he should be developing faster than he is. He should be better than he is right now. You're only as good as you want to be, dude. And I'm I'm starting to really see that the preparation isn't there. Now, hopefully, Jared's still young, and hopefully, of course, the offseason, the coaching staff, and they they all get together here, and they come up with a plan for him just to dig into the game more. But there were times in the Bears game where we saw Jared make some, some bad decisions and then there are some times in that game when he reminded us how good he can be. That deep pass, 
You know what I'm talking about. That deep ball to Josh Reynolds. Beautiful. Dude, Perfect. Let me, so let me explain this to you, okay? So we're we're sitting in our seats, and I'm sitting next to Pink Survivor, Rough Skunk, Lark, right? And uh, I, tell, I tap Paul Rough on the shoulder, and I said, you ready to have some fun? He's like, what? I'm like, you ready for me to call some plays? And tell you where to look and see you know see what's available out there and he's like sure okay so the rams break the huddle and they break into their their formation i'm like okay josh reynolds wide side slot receiver just watch him on this play because i'm telling you right now the guy gets open he's like 7 11 and nobody's looking okay and as soon as the ball's hiked i see single high and i'm like cut it up cut it up and he cuts it up on the post, and I'm like, go, Jared, go. And Jared, I see him cock back. I'm like, oh, he's going to go. And he launches it to him, and, and <laughs> Paul just jumps up and gives me the biggest hug. He's like, how did you see that? I'm like, I always see it, dude. Nobody's looking at the kid, man. Everybody so, has their heads so far up Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Brandon Cook's butts all the time. They forget about this kid can play football. And he was open multiple times that game, and I was calling him, and he was actually throwing it to him. He was on the short side slot, ran a quick, you know, 10-yard out, and boom, hit him right in the chest. There was a play where Josh was running a post, uh, or a deep dig, actually, um, from the left side slot. And he stumbled right as Jared released it, and that's why it looked like Jared... Uh, missed the throw, but actually Josh tripped on the turf, on the grass. So, yeah. But I was, I, you know, I said, guys, let's focus on some players out there that we know can to do some damage like Gerald Everett. And, and when you're watching the game, if you single guys out and you just stare at them, you start to see opportunities that you may have not have seen if you're just watching the ball. Most people as fans just watch the ball. I did that for about the first 15 years of my fandom but then i started moving my eyes off the ball into other parts of the game it makes it more fun to watch and now you can see things that other people aren't seeing so that was a key thing that that i'm noticing too is him getting open him making the moves and you the play you described as i'm watching the game of course they didn't show the replay right there was that gut feeling just watching how josh was moving that something was wrong with that route, like something happened. Like it wasn't not a missed throw. And, and of course, you see social media blowing up and getting mad golf, and he realized, okay, no, he just stumbled. Yeah, Josh tripped. It happens, and dude. So, the gra- the, it's natural grass out there. It gets chopped up by the you know offensive defensive lineman all game. You're gonna trip sometimes, dude. The field's all beat up. Yeah, and what was really interesting about that though was this is the first time in a while that we've consistently seen. Well, you know, consistently is the wrong word. So it wasn't consistent. This is the first time in a while where we've actually seen some improvement. There we go. In Jared reading defenses. He read he read right where Josh was. Okay? He read um the out to, to Thomas that people are all mad about that Thomas dropped that pass. That would have been I'm not mad at Thomas for, for dropping that pass. It, it that was a hard catch, but it was a perfect throw. And that's the most frustrating part about watching Jared Goff play is he does things to show you he can be elite. Like he does things to show you that he can be not a top 10 quarterback, not even a top five quarterback, like a top three quarterback in this league. And then he'll do the dumb stuff, like that first that, that interception in the first quarter. Dumb throw. There's like four bears there. 
Yeah, and the one where, uh, what was it? There was an out to that that he threw that could have been picked yeah. easily by Will Fuller. You know, those are the most dangerous throws you can make as a quarterback on those out routes where the corner has the inside leverage. I Man, when I played quarterback, I rarely threw those because good corners, they have the advantage on that route, not the receiver. So it's it's dangerous throw. I, I wasn't a fan of throwing them at all unless I knew I had the cushion enough that the corner could not break on the ball. And he didn't. I mean, after all these years of playing quarterback, come on, Jared. You threw that, dude. Really? You know better than that, man. That's what he has to avoid in this Ravens game. The Ravens have playmakers. We haven't even talked about Marcus Peters. We talked to you know, Marcus Peters. Is out there being balling. allowed to do, but he, yeah, because he's being allowed to do what he's good at, which is play rover. He's a third safety on that field when he's allowed to be Marcus Peters, and he just baits you into throwing it his way so he can pick six you. He's done it twice successfully already since joining the team. If you go back and watch those plays, the way he breaks um, off the hike you can tell that he's baiting the quarterback into believing that that receiver's wide open because Marcus will kind of veer off like he's going to hand that receiver off and, and, and lean towards going to another route, right? He does it a lot. And as soon as that quarterback looks his way and cocks his arm back, he, he changes that break and he directs, directs it right at the angle of that ball of where it's being thrown and see you later, dude. He's, he's yep. one of the best yeah, at it, man. That's what makes him so special. It's a shame that he couldn't work in the scheme with the Rams, but that's what Goff has to deal with on, on Monday night, right? He has to be able to deal with a very good secondary over there, a secondary that is going to give him problems if he's not reading. So I'm with you. They have to pound the rock. They have to really expose things. The, the, the Ravens' run defense is it's okay. It's solid. It's not elite. That was one thing you know, Ken mentioned earlier. And their pass rush is also vulnerable right now, too. It's not the same kind of pass rush that the Steelers had, where they can actually full back those tackles. So there should be time for Goff to throw in this game if they establish the running game. They, I, they, I think there's actually more opportunity, at least in the short game, for Goff, in a short intermediate game, to where it, the screenplay... By the way, that screenplay to Gurley, where has that been most of the year, right? Getting Going back to being what the Rams are, if they get back to being who they are, who we know they should be, they're the more talented team on Monday night, if they are who they should be. But Dude, that's that the problem, play, right? That, that play that they ran where the, the receivers pulled and came out and blocked for Gurley and for a first down, I think he got like 11 or 12 yards, was so good. Oh, that was so well drawn up. That's what I need to see, man. I need yeah. to see the other, you know, nine guys out there blocking. I don't want Jared Goff blocking, obviously, but I want to see everybody out there getting their hands on somebody, not holding, just holding them up just enough so Todd can do his thing. That play was beautiful. The, the crazy thing about it is we know how good Sean McVay is as a drawing play. We know how good he is in terms of building a culture. But now we're going to find out how good he can be in fixing culture. It's been clear there's some problems there, and that Sunday night game was a big step in the right direction. We're going to find Let, out let's, how good since he you're can gonna be. Watch, since you're going to watch this on TV and I'm going to be there again, I, I want you to do something for me, okay? 
watch the sidelines when you get any opportunities when the cameras pan in that direction and see how much throughout the game Sean McVay talks to Wade Phillips. And this is why. I think Sean should be talking to Wade every single game and Wade's assignment should be to focus on the other team's defense and feed him information on what he should be doing adjusting throughout the game. I think that when he that's what he needs to be doing is leaning on the veteran future Hall of Fame coach well, and saying, "Hey man, what it, I don't. That's why I want to start because if he is he wouldn't be getting caught with his pants down so much. Is well, my point? N- well, he's going. He's going to because he's still. He's still developing a coach, man. He's not perfect. We all. We, we, that's, no, no, that's, no. no. I, we, I we get on it, social media, and I'm not talking about you now. I'm talking about how many times do we see somebody hammering at McVeigh after every game, even when they win, and they. It's like they've forgotten where this team came from. You have to, if you want this team to be successful long term, you need to be willing to let this man grow. Yeah, of course. And I am. And I agree. This you is are, what yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just watching how he's growing. Just like I'm watching Jared, you know, with a fine tooth comb. Like, just every little thing he does, I'm watching because Jared's concerns that I had coming out of the draft and why I preferred another quarterback are coming to fruition. So, like I said, when Jared started playing good in 2017, 2018, I was like, okay, maybe I was wrong. And, and I'm that's something that you hope for in situations like that is that you were wrong because if you were wrong that means he's good well i mean okay and w- but- yeah and once he's on your team all those doubts you you have to kind of shelve those and actually hoping and hope you're wrong because it's for the benefit of your team you all of a sudden you gotta go to, to support this guy and hopefully you know he grasps on to the support of people around him including a fan base and hopefully it drives them to become better right yeah you know but when i see the things I was worried about come to life, I'm like, uh-oh, you know? So I'm just continuing to pay attention and with my fingers crossed and hoping that that he can turn it around, you know, and and that he wants to turn it around, more importantly. Your, I, your will your will is everything. If you, I think he showed signs of it. don't have the will, well, we'll see. We'll I see. think he showed signs of it. I think he, the numbers show for Jared Goff that he actually is middle of the pack in terms of being hit, in terms of sacks and pressures. And I explained a couple weeks ago after the Steelers game that it's not really about the numbers if you watch the film and how defenses are attacking the, the offensive line. You won't always see the pressure he's faced in numbers. But in this, in this last game, the numbers in terms of how much pressure he faced was down. But when he did face some pressure, we saw him make some dumb mistakes. And even on the rollout. The, and that's the killer. With a rollout, you're going to be pressured because you're running. It's a rollout. You're going to see yeah, somebody you're, come match you. You're going to so, make bad decisions yeah. when you're panicking because but, you're you're not ready for it. And, and that's what shows your characters. And when you are displaying reactive behavior be, just because like, they blitzed you, that's a you problem. Yeah. And, and that is where I'm, I'm growing concerned here now. In the Steelers game, I, I'll defend it over and over again if you watch the film from the first half. There, I really believe there wasn't a whole lot Jared can do, but in the second half, there was they were better up front, and there were opportunities for him, and he still made some bad decisions. In the Chicago game, that interception rolling out was a bad decision, and at some point he's got to get better at. But on the same token, we saw him 
in a couple of different situations on Sunday night after a penalty or after a something get blown up front, him show resilience and make a perfect throw. So you know yeah. it's there. You know the good is there. You just want to see him cross that threshold. You want to see him progress. And I believe we did see some progress on Sunday night from him. I think we did. But what was the part? Tommy, he had a running game. He had some support behind it. Well, yeah, it's a can't have one without the other, dude. That's not how this league works. It's not the AFL. You know, these idiot coaches want to throw the ball 50 times a game. And I'm a defense coordinator. I'm going to tee off on you. Yo, go ahead, dude. I'm just going to break you guys in half. Break your receivers in half, your tight ends, your quarterback, you're all done. You know, you can't do that, dude. You're hanging these people out to dry when you're just like, hey, we're just going to throw the ball. See how that works out for us. Nah. Not going to work, bud. All right, so go ahead. Make your call, man. Who, how's this game go out for you? <sighs> man, it, I I don't know. <laughs> That's why, another reason why I'm excited. I felt the same way about the Bears game last week. I didn't. I didn't really know what I was going to get. Um, and these two teams don't play each other very often. I don't know what I'm going to get. I, th- I think I'm going to get a dog fight, and I, I'm kind of hoping for that. That's my kind of it's my kind of game. That's but the kind of game I like to watch. You don't want to make the call for. I know Ken didn't want to go. Ken likes to is one hooks doesn't want to make an actual prediction. You know me, I like to go for it just for giggles. Um, I'm going to call a win here. I'm going to call no, a win. Get you. You, called the, you called the beating down by the Bears yeah, last week. But, and now we're going to beat the Ravens. But this is, I'll give my reasons why. One, the Rams are back. They're against the wall here. They have to win. Yeah. They have to. This is where, to me, it's one of those times where you're going to figure out who, if you're going to figure out who you are, now's the time. Because you have, your entire season, in my view, is on the line here. It's on this. Yeah. It's on the line. You have to win this game. You can't go six and five now and think you're going to make the playoffs. It's just not no. going to happen. The NFC is too good, and they know it. And there are certain matchups in this game that I think are helpful to the Rams. They don't. The, the Ravens don't have a real good edge rush. They're able to rush the quarterback, and they will put Jared Goff in decisions where he'll have to make some quick decisions. Okay, they'll put him in those spots, but. The matchup in terms of the running game is it's good for the Rams, and you're not going to see that speed edge rush that really hurt Goff against the Steelers and against the Browns and so on and so forth. You're not going to see that from the Ravens. Those are advantageous for the Rams' offense, and the Rams defensively have the speed to at least have a chance at containing Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying stop him, but a chance at containing him. And so, in that situation at home, your season in the line, we're going Rams, 24-21. Close game. All right. I like what I'm hearing. I also think we can win this game. Um, I'm going to go 24-17 and feed Todd Gurley. He's happy because you fed him last week. He's going to be you, – you give him the opportunity to do it again, and you're going to see – we obviously know Todd Gurley's an emotional person. He wears his heart on his sleeve when he's not happy. You can see it at the podium. He doesn't hide it. And last week he was like a kid in a candy store. He was so excited to be a part of the game plan again and to feel like he was appreciated. And that's what we all need to focus on. So many people want to talk about his stupid knee for six months, dude. And they were completely off base. Okay, we all know he has knee issues and blah, 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 blah. But 
what people were missing is once again we always talk about it on the show the human element of what's going on and when you're getting paid all this money and then you feel like you're no longer needed you're, you show up to work every day and you're like oh the paychecks are great but i'd kind of like to earn them too because that's just kind of guy he is he wants to earn that money you know he said it last year after he got paid when he hurt his knee against the raiders week one he wanted to give the money back he felt bad you know who says who says stuff like that dude he's a good kid man just let him let him earn his paycheck give him 22 carries dude and we win this game and I think they're going to do that. I think they will have him help involved in the game. I think they're going to get him out involved more in the backfield. I think the way the Ravens secondary is built right now, that's going to be what needs to happen anyways. You want to get him the ball out of the backfield, bring those guys up a little bit, have them focus so you can try and stretch the field later on. And that's why I, I like the matchup. Yeah. And, and before we go, I think it's important that we, and we haven't really talked about this yet on this episode, but we need to give the off the reshuffled offensive line some credit. You know, Bobby Evans did such a great job at right tackle last week against Khalil Mack, of all people, right? Um, moving Blythe to his natural position at center, which he played in college, was the right thing to do. Um, David Edwards has shown he can play football in this league, and Austin Corbett at left guard did a decent job. I think we stick with the, the offensive line we have now, regardless of when people come back um, that are healthy. I don't think they should they should have to wait until an injury to get their job back, in my opinion. I don't care that Rob Havenstein got paid. I don't care. I'm sorry, but I'm going to put the guy in there who's playing better, and you could sit on the bench and, and enjoy that paycheck, bud. And that's the key thing is if you're winning with the guys you got, you ride them. Yep, you, you leave it's it. It's about who is you know who is the best guy out there right now to perform for you. And we've been on Blythe all year, but let's be real. We went to cover at center, he had a great game. That's probably where he should have been the whole time. So you keep him yep. If he's a center, put him in center. Yeah. If you need to drop he, the guard, he's the, the guard. And he's the center now. Um, I think, obviously, during training camp and through preseason, Cromer and, and the, the coaches – Dropped the ball a little bit on their the the top five guys they thought were best to start the season with at every position that they laid out. That was what they were going to go with. And at this point in the season, it's obvious that they weren't correct. Okay, we got guys in there that didn't make the cut and were were backups, right? David Edwards, Bobby Evans, whatnot. Um, Brian Allen, these guys, you know, come in there and these are the guys you think we're the best five, you're wrong. The best five, it looks like, are out there now. It's fine. It is what it is. We all have opinions. But if you change it because of salary purposes, I will lose respect for the team. I will. Because at the end of the day, I can care less how much Rob Havenstein is making. I don't care. It's all about winning. You're being paid to win. So if your $730,000 tackle is playing better than your $8 million tackle, put him in there. Don't care. The salary is what it is. We're already in the thick of things here. So none of that matters at this point. Just W's. You agree? I do. I also understand that there's going to be some personalized involved with that. And these guys are going to think the ones who are hurt, like a Rob Hanks, he's going to think I am better. Okay, well, maybe you are when you're healthy. <laughs> but you haven't been playing you like you are right now. You got to win, and so that's the thing. Is what many people don't realize is the head coach has to deal with all that stuff: the schematics of, the, of a play, the the all the units, the relationships, 
and then the individuals. So before we trash people like Sean McVay for struggles this year, you know, that's how, how do people really think that Bill Belichick is a genius just because he he's a great schematically? In his own gruff, weird way, he's able to keep that team winning, keep a culture there. And it's not an easy job. So nope. let, let it be. All right, folks, it is time for us to go. I do want to say one thing. The post-game show this week will be headed by Steve. can come over for it. And midweek next week, Tommy? Tommy running things next week? Is that, is that right? Next week? <clears throat> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. In the meantime, folks, have a great weekend. Hopefully the Rams come out with a win. We are looking for sponsors. Please reach out to us at Rams1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. Have a media kit ready to get out to you. Also, don't forget we're part of the Big Heads Podcast Network, which is how we now have Manscapes leading off the show today. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at Derek C. Paul, D. C. Paul, um, and you can find Tommy at Ram Tommy in LA. We're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all those places. Check it out for the entire team, including Tommy. This is Derek C. Paul saying, take it easy, and we'll be back after the game. We're out. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. 
Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.